I'm Lisa Bien, and welcome to Bouncing Back. Today, we explore a serious and sensitive issue. We're talking about dating violence and sexual assault on college campuses, a type of sexual violence that applies to a broad range of activity that can be perpetrated by anyone, even someone you know. We will hear a firsthand account about the importance and the process of reporting an incident. We'll get advice on protecting yourself from sexual assault. Most importantly, we want to remind survivors that sexual assault in any form is not their fault. Let's get started. Hello, I'm Lisa Vienne, and welcome to Bouncing Back. God makes a way. <laughs> Be honest and communicate. Be your authentic self. That's yeah. so critical. Thanks for joining us on this edition of Bouncing Back. Let's welcome our guests. Today, we're being joined by Colleen Sheets. She's a college senior from Flemington, New Jersey. She's here to give us a unique viewpoint on sexual assault on college campuses as an EMT, but also as a survivor of sexual assault. Colleen wants to share her story today so she can help others survive and learn from her story. Thank you for joining us today. Our next guest is Dr. Kate Nolt. Dr. Kate Nolt is a former first responder and is, a, is trained as an emergency room rape and domestic violence counselor and crisis intervention specialist. She's an assistant professor of public health and health promotion with Creighton University, a former assistant professor at Temple University and a Temple alum. Dr. Nolt is an expert in health behavior and life skills coaching and she's also a survivor of the incident of sexual assault from many years ago. Well, thank you both so much for joining us today. And Thanks welcome back as thank a Temple you. alum. We're always Good happy to, to have uh, yeah. our alums Good to back. Be back. Thank you. So um, let's start our show with a couple definitions. How about if we go right into it, okay? So okay. help our audience understand what is sexual harassment. So there's, it's important to have these definitions as clear as we can make them. They do kind of um, overlap in some areas, but we'll start with sexual harassment which is um, when a perpetrator of sexual harassment will have um, make comments that have sexual innuendo to them. They, it makes for a hostile work environment or, 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 or academic environment. Um, and maybe that's a power relationship, say from a professor to a student or from a coach to an athlete where they might um, advance the student or give a good grade if there's sexual favors involved. So there can be um, so that's a harassing nature. Okay. Um, so sexual violence is a much more severe form of sexual harassment where um, there's no consent or very little consent or c the capacity to consent to a sexual relationship um, is forced and the consent cannot be had maybe because there's um, uh, drugs or alcohol involved or an intellectual disability or maybe a minor is involved. So there's force, there's physical contact, and there's um, a, an inability to consent. So that's sexual violence. And then there's dating violence, which involves uh, usually an intimate relationship at some point, could be long-term, short-term, with the uh, perpetrator and between the perpetrator and the survivor. Okay. So we have the three definitions defined. Do you find that oftentimes we, as a society, 
just use one word. We used to use sexual assault as a to talk about everything. We do. We do tend to do that. And I think the reason that it's important to define them specifically has to do with reporting, which I know we're going to talk about later. Um, but it's important to, to be able to um, categorize in a way so that we can know which one of these things is happening more often than others in on campuses so that we can know how to address whatever the issues are. So those definitions are really, really important. important. Okay, yeah. great. So Colleen, I think I uh, admire your strength today to come and share your story. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your situation? Um, my situation happened while I was working. Uh, I was working as an EMT for my college. Um, I was supposed to be the only one on call, but the assaulter had come in, even though it wasn't his scheduled shift. Um, we had worked through the night together. There were some previous forms of sexual harassment um, from him previously that I had addressed with him. You had addressed it with him, but yes. had you reported it at no, all? No, I had not. Okay. Um, and that was our first time working together by ourselves. There, we always had at least one other person there. Um, he, we had taken a couple calls that night. We had gone into our bunk room, which has a couple beds for when we work overnight, um, and I wanted to go to bed. So we had gotten back from our last call probably about three in the morning. Um, and I climbed into my bed. He had asked me if I could give him a massage. And I said, no, you know, I really just want to go to bed. I know it'll be up in about an hour for another call. And I climbed into my bed and I laid down. Um, he, well, we usually wear shorts or something underneath our uniform pants. And he had taken his uniform pants off and I expected him to be wearing, you know, shorts underneath. Uh, but he had stayed just in his boxers. Uh, and he sat me up in my bed. I was like, no, come on, like, please give me a massage. Um, I had asked him not to. And, you know, I said, I don't want to. You know, I'd really just like to go to bed. And at that point, he had sat down on my bed and pulled me into his lap and wouldn't let go. Um, I had gotten, tried to get off, but he kept pulling me on. I had to physically grab onto the edge of the bunk bed and pull myself, try and pull myself off mm -hmm. where he had continued to, you know, pull me back um, before I was able to pu finally push myself, pull myself off of him and walk out of the room. Wow. So you walked out of the room. <laughs> Deep breath. I, I know it's, it's probably very hard to relive the story over, so I do thank you for coming because I do think this is such an important issue to share and to talk about, and I think it's something that is, you know, needed. So again, thank you, and I appreciate your strength today. So you have this situation, and you walk out of the room. What was next? What, what was your initial reaction? And uh, it was at work, mm -hmm. which is interesting, because I think as a society, and maybe for me as well, when I hear sexual assault, I assume that it's not going to happen at work, right? There is a lot of, um, so when we talk about college campuses in particular, you have a population, a, a young adult population who um, tends to think, and I know it's a gross generalization, not everyone thinks this way, that there's kind of this invincibility, like this can't happen to me or won't happen to me. Um, now, in, in uh, Colleen's case, as you mentioned, it, it was a workplace uh, event, um, and uh, because she works on a college campus, it, it was uh, reported, I think, as such, as being a, a, an event on a college campus. Mm -hmm. Um, so in this case, it, it's both. Gotcha. Because um, she works on campus. So she works on campus. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for that clarification. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. So 
this event happens mm -hmm. and you do what? Um, I had walked into the other room in our office, like the main office, um, and stayed in there. He didn't follow me out. Um, I was still kind of in shock as to what had happened. Um, I had red marks on my hips from where his hands had been, which later turned into bruises. Um, and unfortunately, because I was working, there's not many places I can go because I have to stay on campus and I have to stay with the vehicle um, to respond to any emergency calls that happen on campus. So I just kind of stayed in the other room um, where there's also a camera in our office. So if anything were to happen, it would be put on camera. Well, that was smart <laughs> thinking, right? That and that's not always the case, obviously, mm -hmm. right? right? So in Colleen's instance, there were uh, things that helped establish, you know, evidence to help her move forward and whether or not she should, you know, report or not report or how she felt about reporting. And, um, and for her, she had certain things that she had to do to stay on the job, which as I listen to her talk, it's, it's amazing. She had to, you know, kind of recognize I'm still on the job and I have responsibilities here. And so I, that's pretty amazing to me. Yeah, that's really amazing <coughs> that she was on the job and she was like, and then had the bandwidth to sit there and say, okay, well, I'm going to go to a spot where there's a, a, a video camera, you know, so if he, if he does do something again, okay, so I'll, I'll have it on, I'll have it on tape. So how did this experience, you're sitting in the room, you know, you have to go to work, right? What the next day, what did you do? Um, I was still very uncomfortable. Uh, I reached out to my boyfriend at the time who was aware of the sexual harassment instances that happened beforehand and I told him he made sure that it, you know he's like you have to report it you have to report it um, even though I hesitated mm -hmm. which looking back I don't even know why I hesitated <laughs> um, well, to report it but the point is you did it, report mm -hmm. it and that's what's commendable it doesn't matter when you report it I mean mm -hmm. it, I think in a perfect world Dr. Nolte you would say we want everyone to report it instantly but takes time to I think process what we've just experienced or what you've just experienced and some people probably never report mm -hmm. they absolutely do not and what's important about reporting I guess quickly is um, if there's evidence to be obtained off of your person off of your clothing or your body it's important to, to be seen by a health professional that mm -hmm. can help you know gather some of that evidence hairs or um, you know, blood or anything, mm -hmm. if it's a more severe form of violence or rape. Um, it's important to report for that reason. It's really hard to be in a mental place to be able to shut down like that and start into, well, I better, you know, report this right away. Right. Some people have that, I guess, um, ability to do that. I'm going to report this. Many, unfortunately, many survivors do not. They, they don't report it, they're too scared, and in some cases, if drugs or alcohol are involved, sometimes they feel like they may have contributed to it, maybe it's my fault. And as you said in your intro, it's not their fault. So that's a very hard thing to come to. And it's become a very um, prevalent conversation to have on college campuses. Mm -hmm. So we will continue our conversation when we return this is Bouncing Back on TUTV, Temple University Television. Do you ever feel like you'd know what you want to do once you graduate from Temple, but just can't figure out how to get the job for which you've studied so hard? 
Well, there is a place to which Klein College students and recent alum can turn to for support and resources that can power the first job search. It's called the Klein College Career Center. I'm Hannah McComsey and I know you can find help at the center because I work there. Here are just some of the resources available to you. There is an internship and job database exclusively for Klein students and alumni to help find jobs in media and communication. There are also one-on-one -on -one counseling sessions available with the Director of Career Services, in addition to small group resume and cover letter workshops. The Internship and Career Fair places potential employers in the same room as students who are looking for opportunities in media and communication. Klein students also have the opportunity to meet with employers and companies in a small group setting throughout the year. These information sessions are a great networking opportunity and a chance to learn from a professional in the field. All of these opportunities and more await you. Just contact the Klein College Career Center online at klein.temple.edu backslash career center or check us out on social media. Hello, I'm TUTV's Melissa Steininger with a question of sustainability. Do you know that pedal power can fuel a cleaner, greener Philadelphia? Bicycling is fast, healthy, affordable, and environmentally friendly. It's also the perfect way to get around town. Here are some bike safety tips. Stop at all stop signs and red lights. Ride with, not against traffic. And remember, no riding on the sidewalk. It's actually illegal in the city if you're over 12 years old. Finally, don't be afraid to use the full lane. It's perfectly legal and it'll make you more visible to motorists. Visit bike.temple.edu for more information. Please join with Temple's Office of Sustainability and TUTV to help make Temple cherry, white, and green. Welcome back. We're talking about bouncing back from sexual assault. Okay, so we were talking about sexual assault and we got to the point where, you know, you got out of the room, you know, we wanted to talk about, we talked a little bit about reporting, but I want to talk about too, and ask you is the reaction. What was the reaction when you went home and told your family or did you tell your parents first? I did. Um, I waited a couple days until I told them and understood the process that I had to go through through the school. Uh, once I had a couple answers, um, I told my dad first. My mom was traveling for work. And so I didn't really want to tell her, but I talked to my dad and he agreed that we needed to tell my mom while she was away. Um, so I asked her to call me and I told her and she was pretty upset. My dad was more angry, like the papa bear kind of came <laughs> out. Um, we called his old peacock move. He like puffs his chest out and like <laughs> steps up. So like. I think that would be initial response for dads <laughs> so, and yeah, moms like, for that matter. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So he was more angry, not necessarily made, but what had happened where my mom was like, okay, how are you? you know, how are you feeling? You know, what can I do? Um, more like the nurturing side came out of her where the protective side came out of my dad. Um, but they really just wanted to make sure I was okay. They asked what the next few steps were going to be. Um, I told them I was going to come home that weekend. I left school early. Uh, I took a, a day off just to go home, get out of the area, um, mm -hmm. be with friends and family. Now you said at one point that um, you had bruises. Mm -hmm. Did you have to take pictures of those bruises? What was part, like, when you reported, right? So the bruises didn't actually start to show until a couple of days after I reported it. Okay. Um, because I reported it the next day. Um, they actually didn't show up until a couple of days later. Um, but I had mentioned it in my report. Um, I made an addendum to it and mentioned it. 
So how are you doing today? I'm doing okay. Uh, it's been almost a year. Um, it's I've definitely struggled quite a bit, but I've also come back from that. Um, but yeah, I'm doing a lot better than where I was a year ago. Well, <clears throat> you know, I'm thrilled to hear that. You're still an EMT today, correct? Yes. So from your perspective as an EMT and, you know, in your perspective, Dr. Noel, you know, what, what could we be doing to prevent this a little bit more, not just on college campuses, but everywhere? Is there something that we could be doing, you know, in addition to doing TV shows and educating people about it? What needs to be done? Uh, I think strength in numbers is a really big thing. A lot of the times, you know, the, all the stories you hear, it's somebody who's by themselves, where if you're with a group, those people aren't tended to approach you. Um, but So I was in a case where I was by myself with my assaulter, and there was nobody else around where we had worked with other people before and nothing was ever nothing ever happened. Right, and yours really was, you were at work and mm -hmm. you were by yourself, yeah. so it wasn't, could you have called or should, if somebody finds himself in a situation like this moving forward, like if someone ever finds himself in a situation where they're me and this gentleman alone in a room, should could you have called your supervisor or your, your boss and say, I'm uncomfortable with this situation? Um, I definitely could have, maybe. I felt kind of bad calling because considering it was 3 a.m., <laughs> um, you know, most people are asleep at that hour where, unfortunately, I'm out and about um, taking care of patients. Um, so I could have. I was definitely uncomfortable about it. Um, I also could have called the school's police department and had somebody come over. But at that point, I was very unsure as to where I stood on the sexual assault line. Um, well, that's, which is that's key right mm -hmm. there that yeah. you just said. I was unsure about where I stood on the sexual assault line. And to your point, right. sexual assault is somebody trying to do anything physical that mm -hmm. puts you in harm's way right. or makes you feel that it's violence it's violence right. you've been violated and now you're kind of when it's over you're you're uh, you don't always know where to go what to do if if you shut down emotionally and you do think intellectually you might think I'm gonna call 911 right you might go there mm -hmm. which is always an option right if you're on a college campus, there's your um, public safety number, which people may or may not know. And if they don't know, they should really, you know, get um, a, a card or something. I don't know. Program put it in their phone. Program, program them yeah. to the phone. Exactly. Right. Oh, that's a great idea. Yes, program it into your phone so that you can get to it. Um, you know, if you uh, are get to a, a health center or or someplace where you're safe, obviously. Um, so you want to be sure, I want to uh, piggyback on what Colleen said, which is there's strength in numbers. So make sure that you're not going to places, male or female, by the way. It's like one, I think it's one mm -hmm. in five females um, on campuses. And males. Or, and males. And males. It, it is males as wow, well. It so it's one in five too. and one in six, something like that. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a lot. And it's males as well. I want, I want it to be clear that, that males are, can also be victims of, of sexual harassment and sexual violence. So, so it's so strength in numbers. So what you're saying numbers, is right? if you're going out on a Friday night or you're going out any night of the week, because from what I hear, any night is a night to go out on college campuses. So yeah. if you're going out on Thursday night for a party and you're going mm -hmm. out with a couple of friends, have a buddy system, yes. right? Yeah. That's Correct. A, mm -hmm. And stick together and stay together. It's also very important 
to know what your limits are in terms of if you're going to be drinking. Obviously, if you're underage, you shouldn't be drinking at all, right? But if you're of age yeah. and you're drinking, right? <laughs> in a perfect world, we'd like to think yes. that everybody <laughs> is not drinking, but unfortunately, you're right. Right, so, no, right? But so, I also think you raise an excellent point, Dr. Noel, is that know your limits. Know know how much to drink. Right. I mean, I have a niece who just went away to college and I basically said, for every one drink you have, have a bottle or two of water in between, space it out. Well, it's time, over time, your body's gonna process that alcohol. The, the point being though is that part of this is being able to consent to have a consensual relationship or not, right? So if you can't, um, if you're so drunk what, that you you know there, you, you don't know what's going on around you, either as an alleged perpetrator or as a, a victim, right? Mm -hmm. So if there's so much alcohol and drugs involved, um, and also there's the issue of witnesses and who's watching what's happening in terms of later on reporting, well, she was so drunk, he should have known not to, to, to touch her or vice versa, right? Depending on the circumstances. So it's go to parties with, uh, you know, don't, don't take something from a punch bowl, don't take something with an open a cap from someone else, go to get your own, uh, you know, or go get your own drink before you go to the party so that you know what's in your drink. Um, and, and again, be with people and be surrounded by people so that if anything happens, and that's not always a guarantee either, right? Because <laughs> people, I think we know from recent events on other college campuses that people do stand around and be passive bystanders to, um, to when events are happening because they feel, I, I don't want to get involved. I, it's not my, I'm not in that group, so I don't want to say anything. Right, it's not my so It's very so. difficult. It's very shut down. People do shut down. So during these events, yeah. They shut down during the events, and then you as an EMT probably have shown up in this year, I'm gonna say, wherever, you know, at different places, and you see people. Yeah. Have you encountered yet somebody who has been through sexual assault that maybe you have counseled or said, you know, put your arm around them and said, you know, I gotta, you know, we gotta get, we're gonna get through this together? Um, unfortunately, it wasn't not from an EMT point of view, but I have, had friends who've been through that and they said, listen, you know, I've, I've gone through it too, I'm still going through it. Um, and I've relayed my experience to them, um, even the process through the school and how that worked and how that gave me a sense of safety and security on campus um, and that they really should report it because they, they aren't offered the same, you know, if they don't tell somebody, they won't be offered those safety measures that I was offered. Yeah, so what, what Colleen's talking about is that through the Title IX office in, on campuses, there, you know, that's, a, that's an office of equity on campus. So when someone is assaulted or harassed, and they have to, they're gonna encounter presumably their perpetra the perpetrator of, of, of the event to them right. um, on campus. They may have similar classes together. They may have d residential facilities near, you know, they may mm -hmm. live near. And so um, once it's reported, there are adjustments that can be made in the survivor's schedule to prevent crossing paths with the person mm -hmm. that they ha that perpetrated the, the sexual assault. And so that happens usually through the Title IX office. Mm -hmm. um, there are confidential people, uh, confidential reporting avenues as well for survivors. And I think what's really important on campuses now is that there should be training of faculty, training of administrators, training for everyone to, to be able to identify um, when there's an issue and know how to address it when a student comes to you mm -hmm. and says, 
this is what happened to me and know how to address that and know I'm going to walk with you over to the Title IX office. Mm -hmm. The adjustments that Colleen's talking about, I mean, she's had, I, I have, have some. I do have them. Um, we are not allowed to have class together. If we both sign up for the same class, he will be moved to a different section of that class. Um, so it doesn't prevent him from taking that class. He just can't take it the same time I do. We're not allowed to have classes next to each other to try and prevent us from walking, you know, bumping into each other in the hallway. Um, he's not allowed in my EMS office. He's not even allowed in the areas around my apartment. Um, so they, they did do some safety measures. We're not allowed to have any contact with each other at all. I'm not allowed to contact him. That's he why reporting, that's one that's of the many reasons. Yeah, so reporting critical. is important too, as I said earlier, because also because people who are uh, conducting surveillance on campuses to monitor the um, frequency, the prevalence of, of these events on campuses. It's helpful to know, is there, um, is there, are there a lot of sexual assaults on campus and is this where we need to be putting our resources and our educational and our training? Um, so the numbers, and, and, I, and I hate to, to turn such an emotional um, situation event into a numbers thing, but this is how the resources get dedicated to addressing issues on campus to intervene into those camps. The other part of that is that um, when a survivor reports, they can give a name or not give a name of a person, or they can say, here's the location that it happened in. And so even that becomes, as it's investigated, they can know if there's a like a serial perpetrator. Okay. If, you know, if so I hate name, to do it because we could yeah. talk all day long about this, but we have to um, wrap up the show. So I want to thank you. I also think it's great that we know that there's all this information out there to report. I want to thank you for sharing your thoughts and experiences. So if you are a survivor of sexual assault or you know someone who is a survivor, please remember that sexual assault is a crime. Being a survivor of sexual, sexual assault is not your fault. Nothing in what you say, the way you look, where you are or who you are given with anyone else that hurt, that nobody else has the right to hurt you. I hope hearing from our guest today was a reminder to you that all we all need help, support, and love to begin our journeys of healing. Once again, I'm Lisa Bien, and I look forward to seeing you next time on Bouncing Back. Hello, I'm Lisa Bien, and welcome to Bouncing Back. That makes a way. <laughs> Be honest and communicate. Honest. Your authentic sound is yeah. so critical.